Right, ready when you are, mate. Well, I've, I've got you down to kick it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. You're listening to EdTech Talks, a practical podcast for the world of EdTech. Welcome to the EdTech Talks podcast with me, Chris Melia. And me, Phil Whitehead. And on this episode, we are joined by a good friend and sector colleague, Colette Mazzola-Randalls. Welcome to the podcast, Colette. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm Colette Mazzola-Randalls. I'm a senior tutor at Blackpool Nafield College. I'm currently studying a PhD in technology enhanced learning. I've been teaching in FE for FE and HE for about six years now um, in computing, specifically web scripting and cyber psychology. Fantastic. Now, I think your kind of journey through education and your career is really interesting. So can you elaborate a little bit on how you got started kind of in FE and HE and onwards, if you will? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my um, journey is very untypical, I would say. Um, I obviously left school. I didn't do very well in my GCSEs, but, you know, I did okay. I sort of plodded on for a while thinking, what should I do? And then um, after having my daughter, I decided, actually, I need a career. So I went back to education and I decided that I was going to do something in computing because I thought computing is obviously the future. Um, so I did my um, undergraduate degree at Blackpool Nafile College in computing. Then I went on to do um, my honours degree um, where I sort of I started thinking that I'd love to get into teaching and I started getting confidence within my abilities at that point. Um, after I graduated, I did my teacher training and um, and then I got my job at Blackpool Nafile College um, teaching in FE to start off with. So I was uh, very much focused on web technologies um, teaching in FE. And mm. uh, as the years went on, I obviously developed my skill set, let's say, and I teach in FE and HE, progressed a little bit further and became a program leader um, for the web technologies degree. And... After a couple of years of doing that, I've now progressed on to being a senior tutor. Wow. wow. Which is, uh, has its challenges, let's say, but I absolutely <laughs> love it. It's, it's amazing because now I get to support teachers that are new to teaching, teachers that have been teaching for years. You know, it gives me that opportunity to really develop my skill set as well. So not a typical journey, but one that's... Um, it's been fun, let's say, but it's not stopped yet because obviously I've carried on studying and I finished my master's in technology enhanced learning and I'm currently doing my PhD in technology enhanced learning. So I'm always learning. I'm always trying to find the next best thing or trying to develop something, which I think is something that us teachers always do. We're always looking to find something new or something exciting, aren't we? So, yeah, that's my journey. Absolutely. Um, Colette, I just wanted to pick up to you. When when did you start getting involved in EdTech in your teaching journey then? So was it relatively straight away when you first started teaching or was it something you grew into as, as you got more confident as being a teacher? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, because to start off with, I was um, quite timid with EdTech. I wasn't sure how to use it, what to use, when to use it, what's the right tool to use. So I started reaching out to people on like Twitter and LinkedIn and started saying, you know, how have you used it? Try and get some examples. Like, I mean, you can read papers and you can kind of see what people are doing, but to speak to actual teachers and practitioners that are actually using things like, 
you know, Microsoft Teams or Flipgrid or Wakelet or stuff, you know, stuff that they use in their everyday practice. That's how yeah. I built my confidence with actually using the the technologies. Yeah, it's, in, it's it's really interesting because it's it's something that um, obviously my background was teaching, and I think even as me as a computing teacher, it took me maybe a year to start experimenting with edtech, and that was more of a personal decision of just to kind of learn my trade really. So you know, pedagogy first, like um, you know, a a good question is a good question, and yeah. you know, a, a bad question, edtech doesn't make a bad question good, um, and you know. So it's, it's interesting to say that you're actually a little bit timid around ed tech mm. as well. Um, and, you know, and you've started to develop that. Yeah, I mean, I think for anybody um, doing anything different in the classroom or trying anything out, it is quite it's quite scary as a teacher because you don't want to steer away from your traditional sort of teaching. You know, you've got a curriculum to deliver and, you know, you've got goals to to reach. But I think having that having that edge, having that confidence to explore maybe a different way of teaching or a different way of facilitating, you know, I think I think that holds so much value, but it does take confidence and a lot of it is trial and error. Yeah, I think something you've touched on there as well, Colette, the, what do you feel has been the real value of expanding your kind of professional learning network? You mentioned Twitter, and I know you're a big part of the DigiLearn sector at the moment, mm. you're a coordinator in that community. So what's the real value in, in sharing and kind of learning from other people? I mean, I can talk about something that I've been working on recently. I mean, over the past couple of weeks, I've been looking into something called the four C's of 21st century skills. Mm -hmm. So basically, what sort of skills um students need to be successful in the industry and obviously it depends on which industry you're going into but this is something I've been looking into for quite a bit and I actually put out on Twitter um, a few days ago a revised version of and asked for people to help and collaborate and I was absolutely overwhelmed by the amount of people that got involved and you know offered mm -hmm. suggestions and even critiqued it you know and probably a few years ago I would have been a bit not disheartened but oh sort of you know it's not right it's not perfect but the fact that people are collaborating and helping me you know I can't I can't tell you how valuable that is because um, it's helped me sort of step back and think actually it's not quite perfect and all these collaborators from all sorts of different areas of the world I mean there's some people from America that's even got involved mm -hmm. you know, the fact that the research is current and they're collaborating with me on something that is so specific you know that it, that holds its value a hundred times over yeah, it's really interesting you say that, Claire, because obviously it's really clear that you've got a massive passion for like collaborative working, mm -hmm. uh, sharing ideas and resources. Um, so, to you, why is you know why is that so important? Why do you think collaboration? Is, I think it's your number one C as well. Um, so, you know, am I right? Have I done yeah, my homework correctly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, do you know what? Collaboration, I think, is key to anything, whether it's teaching, whether it's normal life, sort of everyday things, whether it's peer-to-peer -peer learning. I mean, I know that I learn best by having a conversation with somebody about something that I'm interested in. You know, I can sit and research for hours and hours on end, but if I can just talk to somebody for 10 minutes about something I'm passionate about, I think 
having that interaction is how you sort of spark ideas and sort of spark the passion of something. So, I mean, I introduce this into my teaching as well a lot. I do a lot of collaborative work with my students. So I'm a great believer of um, students as producers, and I've done quite a bit of research in this. And this kind of, it allows me to not so much be the teacher, but be the facilitator and allow yeah. students to kind of take ownership of their learning. Yeah, have you read the uh, the book? It's in it's it's got one a title what can cause some controversy, but it's it's a book I really took to heart when I did my PGC. It's called the Lazy Teacher Handbook, yeah. and that's essentially all about that. Actually, what it essentially means is it's a bit of a play on words, but it's it's about actually putting the students and giving them the responsibility for your learning. And I think you know when I read that book, my entire perception of what a good teacher would be. Yeah changed after that and i completely agree with you about making the students engage in learning yeah i did read that book and it was when i was doing my pgc actually and i, and I picked it up because i thought oh, amazing the lazy teacher <laughs> learned somewhere. but in actual fact it wasn't even about being a lazy teacher because no. i had to be quite forward thinking in in that sense I had to think you know how am I going to spark their curiosity how am I going to spark their interest in this subject um and that book it you know it inspired me to sort of step back a bit really and be like you know this is your journey this is your learning experience you need to develop this skill set and we need to learn this specific thing how are we going to do it? So it becomes sort of a collective taught session in a way. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is fascinating to think that, you know, I'm the teacher, but they're actually teaching themselves, teaching me. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I had one of the best, I had to cover a lesson once and, and I'll always remember this one lesson that I had to cover where, I, you know, I was ill-prepared and, you know, there's a famous thing that you, you, some, some of your least planned lessons can be some of the best lessons that you ever have. And I'll always remember one where I had to talk about uh, networks and I had to talk about what a bus network was, star network, ring network. Um, and and, I, and I'd, I had no resources. I was just literally thrown into the deep end and I thought, right, what can I get them to do? And I thought, right, I'll just split them up into groups and then I want them all to create a presentation. They can use whatever resources that I've got on offer. And I want them to teach the class. And it literally took me, I think, maybe five minutes to bring this lesson together. And yeah. the students were so engaged. And it was yeah. early on in my career. And I'll always remember that lesson as the pivotal change in how I taught. So, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really yeah. I've done that so many times I mean even when I know the subject inside out back to front sometimes getting them to explore the concept and teach it back to the class is so like it's amazing to see how they would present it because it I wouldn't typically present it how they would present it you know so the fact that they get to take ownership and they get to be creative in the way that they present you know when they get into industry you know their boss yeah. might say present me the latest trends in blah, 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 you know, and they've got to think of a way that's engaging, dynamic to keep the focus of that employer or, you know, so even lessons like that where you think actually it was on the fly, 
holds the most value yeah for you but for the students as well because they'll think oh do you remember that lesson where it was completely different and they didn't actually stand yeah. and look at us you know that in itself is just so valuable yeah um, absolutely yeah. I know that you, uh, you've done a lot of work and research around the use of Microsoft Teams, haven't you? And I'd be interested to hear how, how you think a, a technology like that can support the development of those Cs. So things like collaboration, creativity, critical thinking and communication. How can a tool like Microsoft Teams support that? Yeah, absolutely. I abs I love Microsoft Teams and, you know, I've been using it for a couple of years now. Um, but I think one of the main things for me is the fact that it's so adaptable. I mean, I've done a lot of work on flipped learning when I did my master's and how we can use videos to support pre-learning and, you know, and then use the, the actual lessons for active learning. So question and answer and things like that, which, which were amazing. And when I started using Microsoft Teams, I thought this is a perfect environment to keep everything in one place. So the way I've used Microsoft Teams is so varied depending on the cohort, depending on the level of study. But to develop the, the the five C's, let's say, so collaboration speaks for itself. You know, they get to collaborate with the teacher, with the, you know, peer to peer. Or it could even be I've done a cross collaborative team where level four, level five and level six can all speak to each other. So there's an opportunity for that wow. collaborative sort of discussions. And at first it was a bit slow, that one. But. Now I've seen level fours asking level fives for support with certain technologies or, you know, cheat sheets or reference lists, you know, little things like that, which I didn't mm. expect. So that collaborative sort of aspect, it gave them responsibility to ask questions and take ownership again. So it, that kind of went without, you know, I didn't, I didn't even have to think about that one. I think creativity, um, for me, like with creativity, it can be so versatile and it can be so wide ranging. And I think it's just giving them a platform or an area where they can be creative. So they don't necessarily have to just post text. They can post memes, they can post GIFs, they can post posters, presentations. You know, there's a wide range of different ways people can present information back. I think it's just thinking differently. Because to be creative, you know, you don't have to be a creative person. You could just have a creative sort of way of presenting something, you know. And I think having that technology can allow that innovation to sort of inspire in a way. I'll just pick you up quickly on your creativity and then we'll, we'll come back. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the top ones you can do, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you more about this in a while, but it's, it's simple tools like OneNote built into Teams where the students can use digital linking to to express their ideas and that, that fits into Class Notebook with Teams. You know, that's one of the ways we've been really creative with how we're, you know, answering questions and how we're giving information back and, you know, not all students want to type. So, yeah, that's, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant tool for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm a great believer of if I don't have to write something down, I won't write it down. Um, I try and be quite creative in the way that I present anything, whether it's just using um, map or, or, you know, even like a little icon or, you know, making it more visual. I'm very much a visual learner i like to 
I think I I can learn better when I recognise it through imagery rather than, you know, walls of text. So I think I try and support the use of OneNote when I'm using the pen and I'm drawing and just, just being a bit more creative. And I think, you know, students have commented that sometimes they remember the images first before they remember the text, which is, you know, that in itself is is a good way of remembering things. So, yeah, I, I love OneNote and I've used it quite a bit with the students. So, Yeah, so do you want to pick up a little bit on your current research, um, Colette? Because I know you're doing quite a big uh, research project at the moment around the impact that, that the current climate's really having on remote learning and teaching. So do you want to share that? Yeah, I mean, I only um, started this research um, a few weeks ago. Obviously, the current climate climate at the moment has allowed me to to explore this um, mm. in a bit more detail. And I'm looking at um, investigating the impact of enhanced remote teaching and learning. So I put out a survey a few weeks ago and I've had quite a lot of interest. Um, I've had about 115 responses so far. Mm-hmm. And it's basically looking at how prepared teachers feel to deliver online. I mean, some of the results were quite interesting, to be fair. And don't get me wrong, I haven't analysed these by any stretch of the imagination yet. But, you know, um, you're looking at about 85% of teachers felt prepared to teach online. But interestingly, a lot of teachers selected for students to be prepared. They were neutral. So they they didn't agree or disagree which I think was quite interesting. And it kind of begs the question, why are students not prepared to engage online? You know, why are we not embedding this as a sort of natural technological sort of pedagogy in the sessions? Like, I thought, I mean, naively, I thought that would be something that they would be able to do quite easily. But... Mm. I don't know that that there's a lot of questions in that, but um, in terms of confidence, the the data says that teachers are confident to do um, with their abilities to use facilities online. There's yeah. a lot of institutional support from learning technologists, um, things like that. And um, from what I can gather, there's nothing nothing really negative come out of it at all. I think. One of the main things that I want to pull on is the fact that teachers' willingness to experiment with different methods of online teaching and learning has been 100% positive, which, you know, this is amazing. We should be doing this more. If if staff are, you know, willing and excited to use technology for teaching and learning, we need to harness this and we need to expand it almost, don't we? Absolutely. I think what's really encouraging is how how much is being shared again across institutions because we're all facing the same challenge. And I yeah. think, you know, particularly, you know, schools, colleges, universities, we're using mediums such as the digital insights or such as Twitter mm-hmm. to share what we're doing and, and learn from each other. So I think and that's kind of um, you know, amplified in the fact that you've had so many participants in your in your, yeah. your research as well, which is really positive to see that people are pulling together you know, writing up, sharing. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. some colleagues at, at UCLan, um, I'll drop the names in here, but Jane Fitzgerald, Debbie Spencer and mm-hmm. Sam Pywell, who've, who've started a project to just share video blogs around how, yeah. how, they, how they're getting yeah. on, how, how are you getting on in terms of this this climate and how we're working, teaching and learning. Um, and I think that the, there's also, I think we need to look at the importance of, of 
working online as well you know there's a lot about teaching and learning but just how we operate and function and and communicate and collaborate it's it's changed and you know we're really seeing a lot of the technologies we've been embedding and investing a lot in over the last couple of years in terms of development for staff etc it is really paying off and because because digital capability has been raised and i think again collaboration is a big thing as we, as we, we move forward yeah absolutely i mean some of the qualitative data that's coming through i mean people have spent quite a long time explaining different things and that i will analyze in a lot more detail but things like um with these rapid changes will teaching be the same ever again you know which begs the question will it you know will classes be cancelled for face-to-face teaching and have a mix of excellent leadership online and offline so that's yeah synchronous asynchronous sort of ability you know the amount of the amount of research and data that I've got here is just incredible so I'm really quite excited to to really delve into it and find out you know what what the underlying sort of perceptions are because I think there will be some some great data to come out of it and one good thing is it's not just higher education or further education. There's secondary schools and primary schools yeah, as well. So, you know, it's quite a variety, which I think I think that it should uh, it should pull together a really good study. But obviously, take some time to actually analyse all of the data. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's one of those unanswerable questions yet. What's going to happen when we are back in, if we ever are back in colleges yeah. and HE yeah. institutions, Colette? It's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, at, at the time you feel like you, you know, we're still very much into the midst of things. Mm-hmm. And is it appropriate to start talking about um, certain things about moving forward? But one thing I want to pick up on you with you, Chris, is not just teaching and learning. It is working from from home as well um mm. and and I, i'm sure it was your college what put a very simple picture on of your um remote working kit and it was essentially a surface and a monitor yeah. and you know and i thought wow like actually this this institution is very much prepared they've gone down the portable device kind of way of thinking and i think this alone will change the devices people buy how they think about what work is i'm a massive believer in work isn't a place it's not a place anymore mm-hmm. um i don't know if you want to pick up quickly chris just on on your uh, surface initiative because i think you know moving on from this we do need to provide you know resources and tech Absolutely. for people to work remotely Absolutely. I mean, that was a conscious decision from the university uh, about five years ago now to equip staff with a, a, a flexible portable device, which would effectively replace their desktop PC. So the full capability and capacity of the desktop PC, but that can be taken anywhere, whether that's a teaching space, whether that's home, whether that's the other side of the world. And they can still fully operate and, and engage with software and systems as they would being hardwired into a desktop PC out their desk. So that's been that's been crucial for us. And I think if you put that hand hand in hand with collaborative platforms such as Microsoft Teams and the wealth of different apps and add-ins that come as, as part and parcel of that, it, it really is powerful. And it, it's enabled us to do things that otherwise we might not have been able to do. Um, and it's it's enabled us to provide a lot of really good support as well, you know, one-to-one support with staff, uh, just checking in and having a call and kind of walking them through screen sharing, which we you know we've talked about, which is really, really powerful. Yeah whether that is a recording as a screencast or whether it's live screen sharing, just to kind of provide that live tutorial and that support that people need in, in these times, really. 
Yeah, so it's, it's brilliant. I mean, just the surface alone, you know, you buy that one device, there's no need for any extra webcams, microphones. You can pretty much, you know, you, you can pretty much get by with just that one single device. So I'm bet you're pleased that you made that decision now, Chris, all those years ago. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. so... Based on that initiative with the surfaces, it's something we've done at Blackpool and the Fire College as well. So we've equipped all staff with a surface device. So then whether they're teaching, you know, in a classroom or a workplace, because we do like um, apprenticeship delivery and stuff, they've got the ability to do everything they want on their surface device, which is it's been amazing, really. And I don't think I log into my own you know, actual workstation at work now. I just do everything on my surface. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. And so, so easy to to use. Yeah, so. I think at a top level, it's it is. You know, this has really raised it. But it, you know, we we've been transforming the way we work over time, haven't we? To to equip us to be able to to operate remotely, and this has put us in a position now where that's being put in in practice. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that we maintain that that rate of development and progression, really. Yeah, um, and just for the you know benefit of device agnostic, we've we've done exactly the same at our college. Uh, we've we tended to move towards. So my team, we do a lot of video editing. So we've all had MacBook Pros, and it was one of the biggest, mm. best decisions that I made. Maybe um, just about over half a year ago that we were using iMacs, but we started to work across both colleges. And we needed devices that could work across two colleges and from home. Um, so, yeah, I'm a massive believer in, in you know, portable devices as well as the Surface because I do love that that device. Um, so just to wrap up, Colette, um, yeah. I just I ask every single person that comes onto this podcast for this because it's a takeaway. Um, and as a teacher yourself, I think it's going to be a really, really useful one. What is your favourite EdTech tool? I'm going to be mean to you and say you can't use Microsoft Teams. We've talked about that enough. So can you give me one of an EdTech tool you think um, has been a game changer for you and why? Yeah, okay. So obviously my go-to would be Microsoft Teams, but I'm not allowed that one. So um, my takeaway for people would be to to have a play with Videoscribe. Videoscribe is a platform where you can create hand-drawn presentations. Obviously, you don't have to be able to actually draw, which is a bonus, Um, but it just allows you to present information in a more creative and rememberable way. So I would definitely recommend having a play with Videoscribe. Okay, I think on a broader level, what one piece of advice would you give to an educator um, in terms of delivering remote teaching and learning? I think just be open and collaborate with people. You know, don't have tunnel vision and take every opportunity you can to try things out. Fantastic. Um, So then just to wrap up finally, where can we find you on Twitter, Colette? Uh, Yeah, my Twitter handle is at Colette Mazzola. Fantastic. And for the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at EdTech Talks. And that's make sure you have an underscore under EdTech Talks. Um, and you can find me at Phil at EdTech. And Chris, where can we find you? At Chris Learn Tech. And if you could be so kind, if you did enjoy this podcast, please give us a review on Apple Podcast. It would mean the world to us. You're listening to EdTech Talks, a practical podcast for the world of EdTech.